Snap, snap, snap. Yep, okay. It is 11 something, 11.32 in the evening. Hello and welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show, the Malaysia edition. Uh, usually when I do this uh, back home, uh, I live in an apartment in the UK and I'm conscious of my neighbors listening and uh, here I'm with my family, I don't care. <laughs> but it is late and I am in quarantine and I'm also jet lagged, so um, uh, yeah, I'm still awake. Uh, yesterday I spent the evening just chatting with old friends. We were talking till like one, uh, talked to two friends and it was just good to catch up. I don't know why we don't do this even when I'm in the UK because you know it's like Zoom, right? But I think somehow being in the same time zone, uh, just being in the same frame of frame of mind, you know, both of us were tired, you know, about to sleep. And I think just that uh, shared relatability allowed us to just talk um, freer and just, just the occasion of just being back. Uh, that, that was good. Thank, thanks, guys, for keeping me company yesterday. Uh, but for tonight, uh, I'm on my own, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a passage from the Bible. This is a random passage, Second Kings chapter 5, and make some observations. Uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you that you are with us in your word. Um, help me to be conscious of that and help me to uh, respond to that, uh, to know that you're with me and that you're speaking to me and to respond with a kind of uh, trusting obedience, a kind of joy to know that you're never far from me and to somehow have my life changed because of that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not sure if you can hear in the background there's fireworks uh, going on right now. Very, very cool. I think it's like the eighth day of Chinese New Year. Uh, traditionally, I think they have something called the Pai Ti Gong. Uh, the Hokkien Chinese will have a particular celebration tonight, and that's why they have fireworks um, going up till midnight tonight, I guess. Yeah, um, it's illegal in Malaysia, but, <laughs> uh, but there you go, tradition. Okay, so we're looking at 2 Kings chapter 5, and I'm starting in like the middle, so kind of like a strange place to start, but simply because it's such a long chapter. So I'll start from verse 19 and just kind of like set the context once I've read a few verses. So this is 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 19, uh, which begins like this. After Naaman had traveled some distance, Gehazi, 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 let's call him Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master was too easy on Naaman, this Aramean, this foreigner, by not accepting from him what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, he swears, I will run after him and get something from him. So this is Gehazi reflecting to himself on the behavior of his boss. And he works for this prophet. He calls him a man of God here. This prophet who's just healed this foreigner of a disease. Uh, it's leprosy. And leprosy in the Old Testament was considered something that was very, very serious, virtually incurable, uh, synonymous with death, but also a sign of a judgment from God. And so what happens is Elisha cures uh, this foreigner of 
this leprosy and the foreigner is just so appreciative and he says oh i want to give you a gift i want to pay you for this blessing and uh elisha the man of god essentially says um on the house <laughs> no he he refuses the payment but his assistant his secretary his assistant who saw all this thought are you a stupid fella <laughs> people want to give you money as you do one and so he says you know what i'm going to chase after this rich guy and maybe get some of this money for himself and so that's what gehazi the assistant to this prophet says to himself i'm going to try to maybe get some of this money that my master has refused okay so let's pick up from verse 21 so gehazi hurried after naaman when naaman saw him running towards him he got down from the chariot to meet him is everything all right he asked uh, verse 22 everything is all right you know it's okay uh gehazi answered my master sent me to say two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of ephraim so he cooks up the story basically to blame his master for sending him over actually he's coming on his own initiative but he wants to say no my boss sent me because two of my boss's friends have just visited him two uh, prophets yeah two prophets who are like my master you know men of god and he says in verse 22 please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing so it says my master has his friends visiting him by surprise and he says can you sponsor them <laughs> that's why we say in malaysia sponsor i mean it's kind of like give a treat and he asks for some clothing you know two sets of clothing but also a talent of silver and that's basically money a talent uh and this is this is what i'm reading from my footnotes it says a talent is about 34 kilograms i'm not sure if you can see that from the camera yeah 34 kilograms meaning it's really heavy you know, try lifting 34 kilograms uh, actually my my luggage i'm not sure if you can see in a corner my luggage was about 30 plus kilograms and i remember trying to lift it <laughs> to make sure i wasn't overweight but 30 plus kilograms you try carrying it on the bus you try putting it on that weighing scale in the check-in counter in the airport and you go oh it's really heavy and he says can you give me that much worth of gold a suitcase worth of sorry silver of money so he's asking for quite a lot but notice he says my master is asking for this for his friends so he's trying to absolve himself of this kind of cheekiness of asking money from this rich guy named naaman uh, what does naaman say verse 23 by all means of course and he says take two talents <laughs> said naaman so he asked for one one bag of silver one suitcase of silver he says no take two just 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 take it he's so happy to give him more than what he asks for and that just shows how much he's been changed by god's grace you know this healing is symbolic of actually his salvation he acknowledges it's god who's healed him of this incurable disease and he wants to respond in any way possible that even costs him a lot so instead of 30 was it 34 kilograms it gives him 68 kilograms you know, again oh, two suitcases you try lifting that impossible impossible 
uh, he urged Gehazi to accept them. Please, you know, take this money. And then tied up the two talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing. He gave them to two of his servants. I don't know, two, 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 two bags, two silvers, two servants. And then they carried them ahead of Gehazi, which is that, that heavy that he needed to supply the help to carry this money for Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them away in his house. <laughs> so he tries to hide the money for himself so that uh, maybe hiding it even from the servants. So the servants goes back to Naaman after helping carry the silver, but then he hides it inside the house so no one can see. And he thinks at this point of time, I've gotten away with it. I have 68 kilograms of silver and also two sets of clothing. I guess the clothing is precious as well. And then he sent the men away and they left. Verse 25, then he went in and stood before his master, Elisha. <laughs> so there's going to be this encounter with his boss, this prophet, this man who has a connection with God. And Elisha says to him, where have you been? Gehazi, Elisha asked, your servant didn't go anywhere. Gehazi answered. So there's this almost innocent question from his master. Hmm, didn't see you around. Where do you go? <laughs> go toilet or go to Wanutama, that kind of thing. So no, 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 I didn't go anywhere. Yeah, and he tries to cover it up. And it, it's reminiscent of how in the Garden of Eden, you remember God says to Adam, where are you? And God knows exactly where he's been. But it's an opportunity. It's an invitation for Adam to come forward and confess his sin. And I think it's the same here. Elijah is giving that opportunity for, um, oh, wow. Can you hear? Can you hear the the the, the fireworks? Wow, that's that's really intense. Whoa, <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I'm sure that there's going to be more. But yeah, where were we? Uh, so Elisha is giving an opportunity for Gehazi to come forward and confess that you know he's done something wrong. I mean, the fact that he even hides it shows that he knows that it's wrong. Even though, you know, Gehazi thinks his master is an idiot, you know, uh, he should have taken the money, but still he hides it because he knows that what he did was maybe stepping outside the bounds of morality. So what happens? Verse 25, But Elisha said to him, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Uh, so Elisha confronts him and says, I saw... Naaman get down from his chariot. And this is verse 21. Uh, when Naaman saw him, he got down from his chariot. You imagine this businessman coming out of his Mercedes Benz whoa, in a suit. And Elijah said, I saw that. Almost as if he had a CCTV camera watching everything happen from Gehazi running to the man coming down from his chariot, giving him the money. Elisha knows everything. But still he asks, where have you been? So he's really giving that opportunity for Gehazi to respond in repentance. But Gehazi, you know, misses that, misses that. And he says, you know, I saw that, what you did. And he says, verse 26 still, is this the time to take money? Hey, that's interesting. He doesn't say, hey, you took the money, you idiot. You have broken God's law. You know, you've tried to steal it. But he says, no, is this the time? to 
take the money, meaning he's broken God's timing. You know, it's too soon. And he says, not just money, but or to accept clothes, maybe a hint that he knew that he asked for clothes, but also olive groves, vineyards, land, flocks, herds, which was a measure of wealth, you know, in the in the ancient times, you've had lots of flocks and herds. It means like you were a CEO of a company. You, know, you had lots of stocks. You had lots of um, assets in your company. Uh, but also men servants and maid servants. So very interesting. Elisha is saying there is going to be a time for this kind of blessing, this kind of prosperity. But not now. Right now is a time when we give. Right now is when we give maybe at the cost of ourselves. And there's something about the gospel there whereby it's purely by grace. It's not something that we do to earn it, but God gives it at cost to himself. And there's something about the people who speak this grace, who give this grace, who need to mirror this grace that comes from God. Now is not the time to be receiving payment for this grace. Verse 27, Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence, and he was leprous, as white as snow. So immediately his skin, which is a, what leprosy is, is a skin disease. His whole skin, his whole body is covered. It's turned white, covered with leprosy. And it says there, you and your descendants forever, meaning it's a really horrible curse that will last forever and ever and ever that obviously has come from God, but has also been transferred. Because you remember, Naaman had leprosy, but now he has leprosy. Naaman, this foreigner, he calls him this Aramean, was previously judged by God, but now he's been saved. But now the person who knows God's work, who's been witness to this miracle, he's the one who bears this punishment, this curse, this judgment from God. And there's, you know, obviously some links with the gospel there, this exchange of sin for righteousness. You know, you can make links with Jesus, who is someone who takes our sin. He didn't just give us blessing, but he takes our sin from us, takes it upon himself. He experiences this disease, this sin in himself, and he gives us his righteousness, his goodness, his grace, his salvation and forgiveness. And yeah, and that's how it ends. That's how that's that's the story of Gehazi, you know, being too greedy f for payment for uh, God's grace, and as a result, he receives God's judgment instead. What do we learn from this? What do we see from this? Um, let's see. Let's let's break this down. We see uh, Gehazi's justification of sin. So not just his greed but he tries to justify that greed. He tries to say that that greed is good. You know, Norman Gecko from Wall Street, I said that. It means you're trying to say this is a good thing to do. Wow, lots of fireworks. Yeah, and, and he says that in uh, verse 20, my master was too easy on Naaman. You stupid idiot. You know, people are giving you this payment. Why didn't you receive this? And, you know, immediately, you know, you, the temptation is to think of other uh, people doing this, corrupt politicians, or maybe even corrupt pastors. You think of people who preach a kind of prosperity gospel, but at the same time, they look very prosperous themselves. And you say, hey, you know, you want to be blessed, but 
bless me as well. So they wear suits and they're trying to mirror that prosperity in their own preaching and lifestyle. And maybe in the process, they kind of like leech from the congregation. They try to get money for their preaching. And it's very tempting to point to, hey, those are the guys who are doing something that's shameful, like a hazi, and we don't need to be like them, make sure we don't hire them to be the pastor in our church. But I wonder, I wonder if I am like Gehazi. In fact, I'll confess that, you know, the thoughts of wanting to be compensated for ministry goes through my mind all the time. Seriously, seriously, you know, you make sacrifices or you just look across the road and you see people who don't have to serve in church on Sundays. They can stay home, <laughs> wake up late or who don't have to do silly things like the Daily Bible reading show. <laughs> well, no, I enjoy this, I mean, to be honest. But still, there are times when you wonder, hey, you know, maybe I could be doing something else that's much more worthwhile. And I remember saying this to a group of uh, church assistants and church workers. I say, you know, be very careful when you're just doing this for the pay package at the end of the day, because it's never going to be enough. You're never going to go, oh, wow, this is so great and so generous. This is more than what I deserve. I mean, you should when you recognize it's all by God's grace that you even get the opportunity to do ministry. But somehow it's never going to be like stock auctions. It's never going to be that kind of remuneration. You're always going to be, in a sense, losing out when you're serving people with the gospel because you're modeling that kind of sacrifice of Christ. And, you know, if you don't watch yourself and you're really doing it just for the pay packet, then what happens? You start to be ambitious. You want to try to rise up the ranks. You want to try to get a recognition in place of that payment. You want to get people to, you know, like all your posts on Facebook, you know, listen to all your sermons, that kind of thing, and say what amazing preacher you are, that kind of thing. And that too is a kind of payment that you think you deserve because you rationalize it in your head like Gehazi, you know, that guy's just been blessed. That guy's just become a Christian. And I helped him through my sermon, through this video, through this whatever thing that I did. And therefore, shouldn't I then be beneficiaries of this person's maybe surplus blessing? You know, he's willing to give. I'm willing to accept it. And that kind of rationalization of our greed, of our dissatisfaction, of our sin is something that really only affects people who well know God's grace. You know, Gehazi is kind of like a ministry worker. He knows that God is good, that God is able to bless. And what he wants is some of that blessing for himself. He doesn't just want to give it to others. He wants it for himself. And therefore, that kind of greed is covered up by a rationalization of God's grace. So that's the first thing we see. Be careful of making something that is truly bad look good simply by rationalizing it away by saying, you know, we've worked hard for this. So we're serving God because of this. So that's the first thing. Uh, what's the second thing? Uh, well, we see that he tries to hide it. In verse 24, Gehazi, he took the things from the servants and he put them away in the house. So he tries to hide the stuff that he took. Or he tries to hide it from Elisha. Where have you been? Oh, I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes when you're confronted with that particular sin, um, it's very counterintuitive, but it's not really God going, ha, oh, you bad person, but God is trying to say, 
hey, why don't you come forward? You know that you've done something wrong. And otherwise, you wouldn't hide it. You know that this has crossed the line. Otherwise, you wouldn't try to say that, oh, I didn't do anything. Act innocent. Act, act as if um, you're okay when you're not. You, you, there's something going on inside your heart. And God is prodding and prompting us, giving us that opportunity to go, hey, you know what, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You know, I, I, I think this story would have been completely different if Gehazi had just gone, you know what, that was wrong of me. I think, I think that was so foolish. You know what, I'm struggling in this way. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done this. I, uh, please forgive me. I think, um, you know, I wonder, I wonder if things might have ended differently. But he didn't. Instead, he tried to be defensive. He tried to be, um, he tried to hide away the thing that he did. And I think that's also um, us not listening to God, not listening to our conscience. We know it's wrong. God says it's wrong, but we keep telling ourselves it's right. And it's similar to the first point whereby, you know, we justify it. We, we think that it's right to do this, but this is slightly more subtle. You know, whenever we open the Bible and the Bible is saying, you know, I'm talking to you. This is talking about your situation. And we try to deflect it by saying, oh, it's someone else. Uh, I, I get this, by the way. You know, we were looking at this passage and I was saying, you know, how is Gehazi's confrontation similar to how God confronts us with our sin? And, you know, sometimes I get responses like, oh, where else do we see Gehazi in the Bible? Or maybe he's in a certain circumstance. Oh, you know what? Maybe it's, uh, maybe we are, uh, uh, I don't know. You get all kinds of deflections during during the Bible study. And it's understandable. It's, it's essentially what's going on here, Gehazi deflecting. But you still have to kind of gently prod. You know, Elisha, he's, he's kind of gentle in the way that he confronts him with his sin. He doesn't go, hey, you idiot, you know, I saw it. I'm going to punish you. He says, where did you go? You know, uh, maybe, you know, uh, why were you missing? And why were you uh, talking to that guy or that person? Why are you behaving in this shady way? He, he's just giving an opportunity for Gehazi to come forward. And maybe for those of us who recognize that something is wrong, maybe there needs to be that kind of gentleness and that grace as well. So secondly, you know, trying to hide our sin, but also secondly, you know, how to confront someone with their sin. You know, do it with gentleness, do it with grace, give the opportunity for repentance. Uh, but finally, finally, what do we see? There is this... Um, uh, Timing, timing, yeah. Uh, he, he condemns uh, Gehazi for timing. And he says in verse 26, is this the time to take money? And it reminds me, I, I'm not sure if I can find this. It reminds me, I might not be able to, by the way, uh, of the time when Jesus um, is talking to Peter. I don't know where it is. Uh, uh, yeah, so this is the parable of the rich young man, and Jesus turns him away. And at the end of it, Peter says in chapter 18 of Matthew's gospel, chapter 19, sorry, and verse 27, Peter answered Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? So if they've left their families, they've left their careers. He used to be a fisherman. Now he's following this strange teacher around the country preaching the gospel. He says, and what's in it for us, Jesus? You know, we've sacrificed a lot to follow you. And Jesus answers him, uh, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, 
when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you, Peter, you who followed me, will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So you night bangkat, we'll say here in Malaysia, you know, you be elevated to a ruling position over all the tribes of Israel. And he adds verse 29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. And the key thing here is this reversal of fortunes. Now you're losing out. Now you've sacrificed much, but there'll be come a time where God will reverse it and you will receive a hundred times as much. And he gives this list again, you know, houses and brothers, sisters, father, mother, children, and fields. It's similar to what Elisha says, you know, clothes, olive groves, men servants, maid servants. You know, essentially the sacrifice is real. And, you know, Jesus acknowledges that, but it will be worth it in the end, you know, in heaven, but you won't receive it now. Right now, what you receive is suffering and sacrifice, yes, but something even more precious than all that gain. You receive Jesus. Right now, you're following Jesus, and it's costly. Right now, as you follow Jesus, you're actually leaving behind all these things that God will give you one day, but for now, you have to put them aside. And I guess as a closing point, I think that's what Naaman is doing. You know, Naaman is starting this new journey with God. And he's just received this blessing, this healing. It's a sign of salvation and forgiveness from God. And as he follows God down this path, this foreigner, this rich guy, he is foregoing his riches. They ask him for 34 kilograms. When telling, he gives it, take, 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 take it all. And isn't that comforting? Isn't that uh, real. Actually, we, we do see this, right, in new Christians, and maybe you can recall even seeing it in yourself when you're just so joyful in the sacrifice that you made for Christ. Again, you know, if you're doing a, a, a full-time ministry or you're serving in church, it's hard. You know, you have to give up things, you give it your time, you know, some relationships are affected by that, but you do it because, hey, you're doing it for Jesus, you're following Jesus, and it's worthwhile. And Jesus says, yes, I know it's hard. And there will be a come a time when God will bless you a hundredfold, many more times. And that's when Jesus returns in heaven. But right now you have something even more precious than that. You have him. And that mark of sacrifice and joy and willing generosity, I think it's a mark of real faith, real believers. Uh, I think of people in... I don't know, I don't want to name places, but in certain countries where it's just so hard to be a Christian, and sometimes you feel sorry for them, but then you see that they are Christians. <laughs> they are joyful. And maybe that joy and that oppression goes together. There's something about the circumstance that God puts them under that actually reveals the preciousness of their faith. And so maybe we should not feel too sorry for them, but we should learn from these brothers and sisters of ours who are being oppressed, who are being taken advantage of. Maybe even you're in a church with a pastor like Gehazi who's leeching off them. And that guy maybe isn't a Christian. That guy maybe, yeah, you want, you want to warn and you want to say, hey, you know, maybe this isn't the right way to do ministry. But at the same time, 
you know, you shouldn't be too protective about the people. Maybe God has put that particular and scrupulous pastor in that position just to reveal who the true believers are, the people who are still generous in the face of this oppression, of this kind of manipulative way of doing the gospel ministry. But they, they have the gospel. They have Jesus. And when it comes to them, uh, you know, we ask them, you know, give me this, your money, your time, your lives, take it. Take, take it, take it, you know. I have Jesus. I have something even more precious than my life. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that the gospel blesses us with the ultimate blessing, with Jesus himself. Thank you that on the cross, he takes our sin, our leprosy, our disease, our filthiness, our greed, and he gives us that no satisfaction, that freedom to give away everything else because we have Him, that opportunity to speak about this great treasure that we found in Him to others who really do need to receive this life and this salvation in Jesus. Help us to apply this to our lives. Help us not to be bitter if we are serving you in ministry. Um, it is hard, all the sacrifices and you know, this path can be lonely at times. But thank you, Lord, that you walk with us. Thank you that uh, at the end of the journey, we will see you face to face. And you promise, you know, you are no one's debtor. You will bless us a hundredfold. But for today, open our eyes. Help us to see that we have you. We have something that we can never lose. And everything else, you know, help us to hold on to it very loosely but to hold on only to Jesus. We thank you and praise you in his name. Amen. Amen. Sorry, this is a long one. Thank you for listening. Uh, this has been the Daily Bible Reading Show, looking at 2 Kings chapter 5 on the 8th day of Chinese New Year. All the fireworks in the background. Take care and God bless. Bye. Uh, hi, just to say that I reached the recording limit on my camera, so goodbye. Take care and God bless. Bye. Shh.